0: You are listening to You've Got 5 Options show, where
1: every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners and one cat to make
0: a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello, everyone. This is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show.
1: And as I promised you, Marta is back. So Marta, is it true? Is the rumor true that you have considered to quit You've Got Five Options? Yes, so that it would be only two and a half options from now and on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so is it true or not? Two and a half uh,
0: options.com. <laughs> 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 I cannot buy another domain. I wonder I will. if it's taken though. <laughs> I will leave it as a mystery.
1: Okay. I I told people that you went on spiritual retreat. Is it correct? Not really. (laughs) Okay, guys,
0: I did not lie. She really told me she's going to spiritually retreat herself. I did think that I'm going to a retreat. However, it was more like an intensive rather than a retreat. So when I finished, I was very ready for a retreat. Okay, because uh, th- there is th-
1: the definition of a retreat is like that it's something that relaxes you and uh,
0: yeah, you're giving yourself a treat, pamper retreat, you pamper retreat, yourself, yeah. you you know like do good stuff for yourself and and you like come back retreated,
1: right? Uh, retreated,
0: yes. Yeah, I came back from that retreat uh, and went to sleep for ten hours <laughs> because I was wrecked wrecked, okay, (laughs) you were wrecked (laughs) from your spiritual retreat. It was an intensive. Okay, but um,
1: trying to make a smooth transition from a retreat to trick or treat, uh, you guys probably have already heard our Uh, quite uh, interesting also because Marta was not here she was at the retreat and I was trick or treating you on the Halloween special together with Dennis you were Dennis uh, my co-host at that time we could agree right you volunteered I did uh, passionately you said yes I want to do it Uh, if you want to hear how Dennis volunteered you need to come back to our Halloween uh, special but uh, guys as you might remember we had three stories from our listeners sent via speakpipe that is that really cool feature on our website when you can actually send us a voicemail and we will play it on the radio so remember defiveoptions.com five as a number and speakpipe is just there as the first thing you see on the website under our wonderful photoshopped picture we don't look that great always almost all the time Uh, and uh, we got three stories and we played it for you guys and uh, I have said that I cannot choose the winner and Dennis, I think you also were not sure who the winner is so we asked you to vote so now uh, please go to our website I'm reminding you again the5options.com and under Halloween Storytelling competition vote you can go in hear the stories once again They are all three there and vote for your favorite story. And the voting lasts until the end of November, because what the hell? And then the story that will get the most voice will uh, votes, voice, votes, votes will be our winner. So guys go in
0: and what will they win? That is a surprise. So that means you don't know yet. No, that I, <laughs> I didn't say that. I
1: d- did not have any relationship with that woman. Uh, oh I, um, yeah, I'm quoting the master of disaster. Uh, if you know who that is, drop us a message and we will confirm if it's true or not on our other show. But guys, vote. The stories are uh, creepy and all of them are true. So uh, we really want to have the winner. So please vote.
0: I have no idea what you spoke about. I feel Yet. like maybe th- that's really like two and a half options going on. I don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going no. You don't know about storytelling competition? No.
1: You don't know about storytelling? Stereoty- st- okay.
0: <laughs> the retreat was not only retreat, but also... I, I, I did retreat from the social media Maybe that's world. why...
1: Maybe that's why, Marta. You need to listen to that episode, and you need to
0: you need to hear the stories. We got three stories from. I know that you got mm-hmm. three stories, but I have no idea. You said something so complicated that uh, I didn't. I know about you had three stories and yeah. I, all that stuff. I mm-hmm. know. I even know who sent the stories. Mm-hmm, that's good. G- keep on coming.
1: Yeah. What uh, you done? That okay. there is a, that there is a voting. Well, the voting I found out now. Yes. About the voting. Yes. Voting you found out now. Okay. Okay. Good. All all is good. All is good. All is good. So guys, vote for the best Halloween story from our listeners. And uh, you will decide which story was the scariest, creepiest or, or just the best. Yeah. No pressure for anyone. No pressure.
0: No pressure at all.
1: Marta so what are we going to talk about today
0: so today we are going to talk about mindfulness Mm. is that a bullshit is that something that is going to save the world Mm. or not. Okay, that's uh, a that's, that's very light introduction,
1: I would like to say. So will it save the world or not? Okay, that uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, at least this I will tell you. So today' topic is
0: mindfulness.
1: Okay, Marta, do you consider yourself a mindful person?
0: I consider myself a person that is uh, on a journey to become mindful. Okay, that's good enough. Dennis, how about you?
2: Not really.
1: Okay, so then it's not really Marta on a journey. I don't know what to answer, so maybe we'll just skip to Artist of the Week.
0: Yes.
2: Superman Music brings to you
3: Artist of the Week
1: So for our listeners who are quite regular, you might remember that exactly 10 episodes ago, we had here, Kala a band, a young Danish band that are playing... I think they describe it as indie rock or indie music. And they mentioned while they were here that they are in the middle of or in the midst of creating a video clip for one of their newest songs. And the video is ready. So, those of you who are watching us uh, on TV, you will be able to see the video. And those of us, those of you, Jesus. Those of you, those of you who are listening to us, you will be able to hear the song. And Dennis, can you please help me with a title? Because it's in Danish.
2: Stjerner med
1: And that means?
2: Stars with eyes closed.
1: Stars with eyes clo- uh, closed. Marta, does it sound mindful? It, it kind of does.
0: Mm-hmm. It it's also mind blowing. And mind blowing. Okay,
1: let's hear it then.
3: Den bryder frem og solen har sin på stjerner med lukkede øjne og når hun sin sang han ro. I hendes klang Mens ser på stjerner med lukkede øjne Dagen var Når han er krogt For at se dem alle Skal han lide langt og hårdt, Efter sine stjerner med lukkede øjne Bæn sin øjn Lov flint, og han en ny verden er nu tør at imod Men før sine stjerner er lykkede øjne. Og når dagen er altså bryder frem for den sidste gang For evigt
1: And we're back (laughs) and Marta. Okay, so when once we started to play this song, Marta, was it wasn't that the song that we have played already when Kalaset Set was here? And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not the song. And then I went on our website and I checked and I was like, oh, my God, it's the same song. And then it's no, it's not the same song. It's it's, I hear it for the very first time. Well, guys, now I will uh, reveal to you that I cannot read Danish at all, apparently, because I have read Silence uh, is a lie uh, in Danish as uh, stars in uh, with eyes closed. So basically, uh, yeah, congratulations, Anna. This is the second song by uh, Kalaset, So, uh, yeah, I cannot read Danish apparently. I imagine things. I see them and I imagine them and then I'm sure that I see them, but I don't see them. I imagine them.
0: So you put a wrong file in the previous episode? No,
1: I put the right file. I just read it. That look at the title, Marta. The title is something completely different. And I, in my head, imagined that the title is the title of the new song. OK, so all is good. All is good. So this is the newest song by Calaset. And uh, as uh, Denise uh, mentioned, the video is slightly sad.
2: The first half. The
1: first half, yeah. but uh, I uh, like this song actually uh, a lot. I like it better than the previous one for some reason. Um, I think it's very lullaby if we can say. It's like a lullaby. It's very, very nice. Yes, so that was our out- artist, of the <laughs> the, the artist, artist of the week. And now, Marta, I think we can go to challenge. I think we have a lot
0: of challenges today, so <laughs> let's <laughs> just go for it. Okay, so for the challenge this time, we I was inspired by the fact that I have joined LinkedIn Local Aarhus a couple of days ago. And uh, Kathy, who has been our guest a couple of times and who is the organizer of uh, LinkedIn Local Aarhus, uh, she has asked me to facilitate a group on mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a really good topic and um that's why this program today is also inspired by yeah. talking about mindfulness especially that you are on your
1: journey uh, to mindfulness <laughs> especially <laughs> yes and <laughs> dennis doesn't know or is not
0: so let's convert dennis yeah let's convert dennis to be more mindful today yeah mindful mind empty is that the opposite Mindful, mind I empty. I actually have always found it quite confusing because in mindfulness you're trying to empty your mind. Yeah. So why is it called it's mindful? Quite, it's quite counterintuitive,
1: to yeah. be honest. Mindful, so your mind is full of stuff. Yeah. Okay, weird. Yeah,
0: that uh, that I have also found quite tricky. That's very challenging. That's very challenging challenge mm-hmm. of the week. Okay, let's go for the actual challenge. Yeah. So... So this is a real challenge from the LinkedIn local, yes? So what I did this time is I just gathered a couple of challenges around mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I just got inspired by what we have discussed in that group Mm -hmm. that I was facilitating. And well, first of all, it was kind of about how to keep sane in this crazy world, Mm -hmm. because we are so bombarded with so much information. Mm -hmm. Our brains are kind of feeling, you know, often like they are going to explode and uh, and how to keep saying. So the participants in, in that group expressed the feeling of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like kind of quite difficult to concentrate and to be productive according to what they have shared. And uh, that was very much about the mental level overwhelm, but they have also mentioned emotional overwhelm, that it's also quite difficult to concentrate and keep saying when you're emotionally overwhelmed and then they have also mentioned the feeling of lack of clarity of what to actually do that there are so many options Mm -hmm. so many things you can do so how to you know how to get back to the clarity of what's actually the right thing to do and also some sort of overwhelm or even maybe borderline with addiction to social media and all the time taking the device called a phone and checking it over and over again. So we have actually gathered surprise, surprise, five concepts around um, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And the first thing was actually what that mindfulness is, mm-hmm. because it seems to have become quite a buzzword and we hear it everywhere. Uh, mindfulness is now uh, getting present in schools, in hospitals, in companies like it's it's like you can see it everywhere. And Actually, I think that mindfulness is a very, very simple thing. It's like a very simple concept. It's about being able to be present in a given moment with whatever it is that is present in that particular moment without judgment. So it's an ability to be able to think about a particular thing without judgment. It's an ability to be present with your emotions without particular judgment And mindfulness, therefore, can be applied to absolutely anything you do. You can cook mindfully, you can draw mindfully, you can uh, be present with your emotions mindfully. So it's just, it's not only meditation. That's Mm -hmm. basically what what we were discussing there. Because very often we think like, okay, if we want to be mindful, we need to sit in a lotus position and meditate for hours and hours Mm -hmm. on. And that's what we actually came to a conclusion that it's, It's not only that. Meditation is great. And if that serves you, it's awesome. But a walk can be mindful. A cooking can be mindful. Eating food can be mindful. Mm -hmm. So it's basically about giving your mind a moment of rest. You are being present, concentrating on this one particular activity that you're doing? How does it sound? Is it like switching off a little bit? That's that I'm asking, uh, you know, on
1: behalf of listeners, because I actually, I think I understand what you mean. But is it like you are switching off a little bit and just doing being?
0: I don't know if switching off is the right way to put it. I maybe that feels this way for mm-hmm. some people. Uh, I am thinking, I am thinking it's more about concentrating on one activity. Mm-hmm. And then when we go into meditation, it is mm-hmm. about letting go of st- of thoughts, mm-hmm. but doing something mindfully. For me, it's just about focusing on one thing and letting the rest go. Okay, but okay. it can be, for example, switching off your mobile. So, oh,
1: okay, okay, <laughs> that's that's a point. I think I remember one example that was given to us by Morten Bonde. Because mm-hmm. he was talking about mindfulness in one of our previous episodes, I think in season three, I'm not sure if you remember. Morten guys, he's a, he's a person who actually is legally blind, and he, due actually because of his uh, disability, was able to go through a really huge spiritual and um, emotional transformation. And he was uh, talking about mindfulness, and I think he gave an example. Was it that Martin gave an example of making coffee, like when you are making coffee, instead of thinking about what I have to buy from the shop or how the day will go, you basically just focus on the process of making coffee. So you put the beans on and you observe them and then you uh, turn the grinder on and you look at how, you know, it might sound kind of stupid, but actually it's not because then you really focus on this one process, and then you are able to let go of all the shit that goes in through your uh, through your mind. Because many times when we do something, we just do it automatically. And we are thinking all the time about something else, you know, there are thoughts and thoughts going. So I think he gave that example with the with making coffee, and it kind of spoke to me.
0: Yeah, it it can, it can be literally anything you can even drive mindfully. Mm -hmm. So that was just this that we spoke about it, that mindfulness is basically a giving your mind a rest mm-hmm. and focusing, concentrating on one thing so that you declutter a little bit and you are not mm-hmm. in that big overwhelm. Yeah. And then the second thing we spoke about was particularly al- around mental overwhelm. When mm-hmm. you have been running on very high speed mm-hmm. for a very long time and you feel that your head is about to explode, there is a really nice exercise. It's called a mental download Or Mm -hmm. a mind dump Mm -hmm. where you give yourself time, let's say one hour, and you take a journal, a piece of paper or whatever, and you write everything that is going on in your mind in points. So all the things that are buzzing in your head, Mm -hmm. you basically write them down in points. So all the things that you have in your head related to school or work, everything related to your regular life, everything related to what you need to buy, what you need to clean, what you need to get rid of, all the plans, ideas, whatever it is that is so crazily buzzing in your head, you put it in points, very short points. So that's kind of like a first step. And already by like you, you continue writing for as long as new ideas start coming to your head. And you only finish at the point where you feel like, OK, I'm quite done. I feel mm-hmm. like quite OK right now. So already just writing it all down in points can already have a healing effect mm-hmm. on your mind because you as soon as you write something down, your mind uh, can let go of that necessity to remember about Mm -hmm. it, because you have it on a list now. And then the second uh, part of the thing that you can do, you can categorize those things. Mm -hmm. A simple way to do it could be the things you want to attend to now, the things you want to attend to later, and the things you actually never want to attend to. So you can schedule the things that you want to attend later, and you can uh, only attend to the things that you actually want to attend now. But already just writing it all down, it helps to decrease that mental level overwhelm and buzz. How does it sound?
1: Yeah, I I totally agree that this is a great way to clear your mind because many times, exactly as you said, uh, we have uh, so many ideas or so many things we think we have to do. And I think the biggest struggle is that we think like we have to remember all of that and they are growing so much in our head and it's almost like a competition. And when you throw it all out on a piece of paper or papers, depending how many things you have, uh, yeah, you are kind of like releasing them and then you you actually gain a control over them. And I do that from time to time I do some sort of a to-do list but lately I started just to do just to dump everything Mm -hmm. and then do exactly what you said like okay this is for now this is for later this is like what the fuck is this like maybe i was just like thinking about something
0: and this is ridiculous so it really helps so i i 100 agree yeah so it's more than doing a to-do list because i think Mm -hmm. many people do to-do lists and still feel overwhelmed yeah because they just see a lot of things to be done on a to-do list Mm -hmm. but it is actually to do it for as long as you actually feel that release Mm -hmm. for as long as your mind is finally like whoa Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's okay. You feel spacious again. Mm -hmm. The next thing, the third thing we talk about was emotional overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you are going through a lot of things in your life emotionally, maybe there is a relationship challenge. Maybe there is something related to your parents. Maybe you struggle at work and you are actually very, very heavily affected by a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. Then there is another great exercise that can help you. And this one is called write and burn. So when we talk about a lot of emotions, especially negative, difficult or toxic emotions, it's a great idea to let it all out. If only available, let yourself cry Mm -hmm. and like really, really allow yourself good time to process through all those emotions and allow yourself even to give all the F words and K words if you're Polish or any other, you know, word that you need. And then burn it. Mm -hmm. The great thing about uh, writing it out is that it helps processing and you get it out at least uh, to some degree out of your system. Mm -hmm. And then when you burn it, you are actually releasing it in Mm -hmm. some way. And sometimes when we are talking about very heavy emotions, something really difficult happened to your life, you might need to do it 10 times, 20 times, 30 times before you actually feel that release. But it is a really great thing to do have you guys ever tried doing something like that dennis back to you
2: i I do remember the exercise uh, of of writing it down um, things that that weigh down on you and just writing it down looking at it getting rid of it Mm -hmm. as an exercise
0: yeah getting rid of it is actually quite important because we don't want to keep them no. Some mm-hmm. people, they write those things in journals and then they keep them in their drawers and so on. That's actually, my, that might not be the best thing to do to keep, mm-hmm. because, you no, know. It needs
2: to be purged. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And it's great to actually release it, to burn it, to destroy it, to throw it out, to let it fly through your toilet, you know, <laughs> whatever.
2: That in it yeah. itself, uh, the, the, the exercise of burning it or shredding it or whatever yeah. is part of the, mm-hmm. of the exercise.
1: Yeah. So how did it work for you?
2: I just remember it. It's so long ago that I can't actually remember. It was uh, on a school that I attended once.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: 18 years ago. Okay. And it, w- it was an exercise. It wasn't a, a, a therapy as much as an mm-hmm. exercise in mm-hmm. what you can do if you have this sort of experience. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. But you tried it, and do you think you would try it again?
2: I can see it working.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Because you get it out. And it's the same as making a schedule of things that you need to do and Mm -hmm. categorizing it, scheduling it. It's not important now. Get it down on paper, get it out, get it away.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have talked a little bit about something that can help us with mental overwhelm, something that can help us with emotional overwhelm. But we also had this challenge of clarity. What is it that I am actually supposed to do? You know, like when you feel lost... In all the possibilities and all the hundred options that you have and you are suffering with lack of clarity an exercise that we spoke about is free flow writing. So that's an exercise that you can do for a particular amount of time. I have tried doing it once for three weeks, every single day after waking up before the mind gets cluttered again with all the information and social media and everything. I would just wake up and start writing. And just writing, writing, writing. And this has really helped me to come to the place where I had a bigger clarity on what to do with my life. Because that was in that point of time when I was feeling that the work that I was doing was not the right thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. But I did I had no idea what could I do instead. Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of different ideas but none of these ideas felt like is it the right one Mm -hmm. so by allowing myself to do this free flow writing by allowing myself to basically communicate with myself those messages started to come so first it was a lot of clutter and I actually just did a lot of mind dump at the beginning I just didn't do it in points I find it doing in points later on as a more efficient way but first week was really a mind dump and just you know, clearing my head from all the overwhelm. And then the messages started to come more and more clearly from myself to myself mm-hmm. on what to do with my life next.
1: How does it sound? Yeah, I, I try that as well. And I have to say that uh, 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 my first free flow light, free flow writing sessions uh, were a, <laughs> it was a, a complete ridiculousness. I was writing like, so I just woke up and I'm supposed to write for 10 minutes. I have no idea what to write. And then it starts. And you can really write ridiculous things because you just woke up. It is not supposed to be any to-do list, any necessarily mind dump. You are just supposed to sit, take a pen and start writing, sometimes without even thinking at the beginning. And um, I remember uh, first two, three minutes, it's it's a horror, you know, it's a poetry for weird people, you know, it's like, you know, I see a light behind the window, what the hell am I doing? Oh my God, I have eight minutes left. And then suddenly things are coming to you, You start to write sentences and you don't know from where they come from. And I remember one of this free flow writing sessions, I ended up with uh, my name is Anna Niestceruk, and at that point I still had my ex-husband's surname, which was Motran. At that point, and I was like, from where this this came from? It's like, this makes no sense. And then actually, that was a sign for me that I should change my surname back to my to my previous surname. And I did that that year. So uh, it came out in, in this, it, it had to be something that I pulled out from the subconscious. And I actually really, really um, uh, love the fact that I changed the surname. Now I have another daughter, and uh, we have named her in the south american um, way meaning the surname of a mother and a surname of a father the opposite uh, yes the opposite <laughs> exactly like that but the opposite but basically she has t- surnames from both of the parents because that's that's how they name it in south america and i actually really like this uh, this thing if i wouldn't change my surname then my my daughter would have a surname of her dad and of my ex-husband, which I don't really think that would be the. It, it somehow clicked in a in a way that I have my surname now, and we don't have this problem with with naming her. So maybe there was a bigger plan behind it, but it came to me for the first time in my free flow writing session, and I was surprised myself looking at it, and I was like, "Well, that's weird, you know. I haven't called myself Niesceruk for like a decade, and from where this that came from?" And yeah. So that's the end of my wonderful uh, revelation.
0: Thank you. I think it was really nice to share a story. What kind of effect doing mm-hmm. free, flow, free, free flow writing might have. Yeah. And I just wanted to bring the last point, the fifth point that we talked about, uh, because one of the participants of the group asked me like, you know, like I keep on taking my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm already feeling overwhelmed. And then I keep on just getting my phone and checking stuff and just feel more and more overwhelmed. And she asked me what to do with that. And then I said, well, a simple detox Mm -hmm. (laughs) will do. I do it a couple of times a year where I don't use my phone or switch off, delete, uh, switch off internet, delete uh, social media apps for a week. I get completely free from that. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it for a few days. And after a few days, I'm clear and I can, I'm, I'm just free to use it when I really want it. I don't have this uh, tick of just taking my phone and checking stuff all the time. And it has an amazing effect. I think being addicted to checking Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever that is that you are used to mm-hmm. doing or playing a game on your phone, that is really something that adds on to our general overwhelm and escape mechanisms of being present.
1: Yeah, I might or may not play a game recently (laughs) and maybe I should do something about it. (laughs) But I only reserve it for special times, like in the evening. But uh, very, very good points, Marta. Dennis, have you made a social media, have you ever made a social media detox?
2: Years back, yes. Mm -hmm. But that's 10 years ago or something
1: okay whoa you are really a pioneer at some things you know you made the exercise like years ago and you made a detox detox years ago
2: and i had really long beard before it was fashionable yeah
1: <laughs> okay you are really a, a mindfulness pioneer even if you don't feel mindful
2: i'm a trendsetter yes
1: <laughs> how humble <laughs> but uh yeah th- that's that's really nice i don't remember if i made the detox, but I know that for some people it's super difficult. It's super difficult. And even if they will uh, try to, I don't know, put the, um, uh, uninstall the application like Facebook from mobile, then they just install it back after a couple of hours because they cannot do it. I actually know a person who had, um, who wanted to have a detox from Facebook. You know what she did? She uninstalled it on her mobile and she asked her boyfriend to change her Facebook password so she doesn't know the password, only he knows it. Mm. And they agreed that she will only check it on the computer. And, you know, he's the, he's the password holder. She doesn't know her own password to Facebook. So that's actually quite, uh,
0: we can say, oh, quite funny, but it works.
2: That, that's addiction.
0: That's a quite a big sign that <laughs> detox is wildly needed. Yeah. But okay, yeah. guys, being mindful of the time. <laughs> I Let's go for the bullshit. Say
1: what? It's bullshit. It's bullshit of the week.
0: Bullshit. Yes, bullshit. So when I was preparing for that show, I was like, there must be some bullshit around mindfulness. I'm sure I can find something. And I have found a very long article on The Guardian by Ronald Purser who um, gets that the mindful conspiracy. Uh, yeah, an article around mindful conspiracy, capitalist, capitalist, spirituality, something like that. I mindful uh,
1: conspiracy, capitalist, spirituality. Oh my yeah. God. okay, the okay. link will be
0: there. The link yes. will be there in yes. the show notes or at the fiveoptions.com. It's an interesting article, well written, very much in depth. Mm-hmm. However, so what, what Ronald Purser is trying to say there is that mindfulness is sold as a force that can help us cope with the ravages of capitalism. But with its inward focus, mindfulness meditation may be the enemy of activism. So Mm -hmm. what he writes in his uh, article is that mindfulness has gone mainstream with celebrity endorsement from Oprah Winfrey and Goldie Hawn. Meditation coaches, monks and neuroscientists went to Davos to impart the finer points to CEOs attending the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. The founders of the mindfulness movement have grown evangelical. Professing that its hybrid of science and meditative discipline has the potential to ignite a universal or global Renaissance. The inventor of mindfulness based stress reduction, MBSR, John Kabat-Zinn has bigger ambitions than conquering stress. Mindfulness, he proclaims, may actually be the only promise the species and the planet have for making it through the next couple of hundreds years. Mm -hmm. So we have two interesting concepts. We have on one hand a concept where some people claim that mindfulness can save the planet Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, we have the concept that the mindfulness is actually the enemy of activism. So meaning that if we go inwards too much, we may actually stop seeing what is actually happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And instead of acting and doing something to change the situation in the world, we are going too much inwards. And by meditation, we are trying to heal Mm -hmm. ourselves and people around Mm -hmm. And I am very curious for your opinions, guys, which of those two concepts is a bullshit in your eyes or maybe none of them. They are quite, you know, like.
1: Yeah, this is very, very interesting because as I see, Mr. John Kabat-Zinn claims that meditation can save the world. And Mr. Ronald Purser, who wrote the article, claims that that actually can make you passive towards everything around. And I actually have to say that both of those statements might be true, depending on the circumstances. Because as I do believe that if people would be more mindful, more spiritually developed or developed personally, or being able to see beyond their own bullshit and and be more grounded, centered, loving, the world would automatically change into a better and loving and peaceful place. That is something I truly believe in. However, as it was mentioned, mindfulness, I think it also becomes lately a dirty world, you know, Oprah is doing this, Goldie Hawn is doing this. So people like people are following trends mindlessly. So I think there might be a mindless attempt to Follow the trend of mindfulness, meaning it's hip, it's cool, it's new, it's new age, meditation, uh, Chinese bells. I will sit and green, uh, eat, uh, drink green tea, look at the sunrise and meditate. And I will calm myself uh, from everything. It can be just another escapism, like for other people, it's the gym or alcohol or drugs. You know, it's just another form of, of covering up what's in you by trying to find this fake peace. Uh, so I think that there is a danger here, and another thing, uh, yeah, I think I lately wrote a little piece, and Marta, it made you wonder that it's time to pull our ass, uh, our heads out of our asses. Meaning, uh, I think that sometimes focusing too much on yourself could indeed blur you for the circumstances around what is happening in the world, and making us convinced that the only thing that you have to do in order to change the world is to change yourself. And then like not to get involved with any bad things that are happening around only yourself, might indeed, slightly
0: make us sleepy and passive towards towards evil in the world. Thank you. A very good overview of uh, the two concepts that may be bullshit or may be true, depending on… I think it depends. Yeah, it really on depends. a person, on circumstances and so on. Dennis, what do you think about it?
2: Well, if, if I have to choose, I think the, the notion that kind of uh, a level of self-absorption would be able to save the world is the most bullshit. I don't believe that any of the two is absolutely true. But yeah, being self-absorbed, being mindful of everything. Yeah, that's the enemy of activism because sometimes activism is putting yourself aside for something that is obviously the greater good.
0: Okay. Well, um, it's very interesting that you you tie mindfulness or being mindful with self-absorption. Can you elaborate a little bit?
2: I think I'm 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 a little biased because I I'm allergic to buzzwords in mm-hmm. in, in in a sense. Mm. And mindful is a buzzword uh, that it's it's a sticker that's put on everything like sustainable. And it, we can all agree that <laughs> sustainable is good, but if it's put on everything it loses its meaning. The same way with mindful. If everything is mindful, it doesn't mean anything because mm-hmm. then it's just a sticker. It's just so it's just a word that we put in front of completely mundane actions like eating. Mm-hmm. And so if it's put on everything, it, it doesn't have a meaning anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, I have to say that I know exactly what you mean because I believe it's a it becomes a dirty word. I, I think that mindful as a concept is is great. But Definitely. I think many people are just, you know, taking it as as a trend that it's there, you know, you see an Instagram model who looks like she used 10 filters and maybe some plastic surgery, sitting in some weird, sexy position on the balcony, drinking a smoothie, saying mindful morning. And I'm like... No,
2: no, <laughs> in no, Instagram no, darling.
1: Morning. yes, Instagram. No, darling, that's not mindful. That's that. And of course, then it's also a link where you can buy the smoothie or something, you know. So I think the mindful is being used. The word is being used in into selling things and, and so on. And it's sad because many words are sustainable, the same, or for instance, storytelling, personal branding. Two years ago, that was something new. Now everyone is using this, you know, you have to be a storyteller. You have to do the personal branding. It's And, and if you use it on everything, it starts to lose the meaning.
2: Is, is that the point of the author? That if that the conspiracy thing, that uh, the spiritual capitalist, blah, blah, blah is that? is that his point that it's he's used to sell
0: he's po- he he makes a lot of points it's quite a long article but mm-hmm. that's that's one of the points but the one that he's actually i think trying to s- Of course, he says that mindfulness is not bad in of itself, that, Mm -hmm. of course, it helps reduce stress and, uh, you know, this kind of things. But maybe when it becomes a goal, you know, in a company that we have a goal to reduce stress with people. So we, uh, you know, allow mindful rooms or, you know, activities or. And you have to be there mandatory one hour per week, (laughs) you know. So, yeah, but I think that he's the biggest uh, uh, threat that he has seen is more about, I think, something that could be called some sort of spiritual bypass Mm -hmm. when you are getting so much inwards and you are getting on some sort of spiritual high, you know, kind of thing, and then you stop uh, actually involving yourself with uh, challenges or problems that are here in the world and you are therefore passing over some pain, suffering of other people and so on because you are on some sort of uh, bypass. But now being mindful of the time, I know you don't Mm -hmm. like the word that much. However, let us go for the wisdom. A super wise Wisdom of the Week Wisdom. So this time for Wisdom of the Week I have decided to read a story and that story comes from a book that uh, Mr. Mark Manson also a friend of the show uh, has written inside inside his book the subtle art of not giving a fuck.
1: He doesn't know he's a friend of
0: the no, show. No, he doesn't know he's a friend of the show, just like Joe Dispenza doesn't know <laughs> that, <laughs> that Marta is, is coming to Cancun, <laughs> that he's <laughs> inviting me over and over again to yes. his uh, uh, retreat. You I realized
1: that once we become famous, those people might actually hear <laughs>
0: those things. I, I think they would be happy to know that yes. uh, they have been friends of the show yes. or my personal friends. Uh, yes. And I already have people who, uh, one of my friends, Tina, she just wrote me a thank you note. For introducing her to Joe Dispenza not personally, Mark, but to his intr- work. <laughs> don't
1: introduce Joe to others, do you
0: want other people
1: in Cancun with you and yes, with Joe?
0: Yes, I do. I think he's doing some interesting stuff and it's, uh, it's worthwhile uh, digging into or exploring his work. I believe you. Okay, the story. Yes. About 2,500 years ago, in the Himalayan foothills of present-day Nepal, there lived in a great palace a king, who was going to have a son. For this son, the king had a particularly grand idea. He would make the child's life perfect. The child would never know a moment of suffering. Every need, every desire would be accounted for at all times. The king built high walls around the palace that prevented the prince from knowing the outside world. He spoiled the child, lavishing him him with food and gifts, surrounding him with servants who catered to his every whim. And just as planned, the child grew up ignorant of the routine cruelties of human existence. All of the prince's childhood went on like this. But despite the endless luxury and opulence, the prince became kind of a pissed off young man. Soon every experience felt empty and valueless. The problem was that no matter what his father gave him, it never seemed enough, never meant anything. So late one night, the prince snuck out of the palace to see what was beyond its walls. He had a servant drive him through the local village and what he saw horrified him. For the first time in his life, the prince saw human suffering. He saw sick people, old people, homeless people, people in pain, even people dying. The prince returned to the palace and found himself in a sort of existential crisis. Not knowing how to process what he'd seen, he got all emo about everything and complained a lot. And as it is so typical of young men, the prince ended up blaming his father for the very things his father had tried to do for him. It was the riches. The prince thought that had made him so miserable, that had made life seem so meaningless. He decided to run away. But the prince was more like his father than he knew. He had grand ideas, too. He wouldn't just run away. He would give up his royalty, his family and all of his possessions and live in the streets, sleeping in dirt like an animal. There he would starve himself, torture himself and beg for scraps of food from strangers for the rest of his life. The next night, the prince snuck out of the palace again, this time never to return. For years, he lived as a bum, a discarded and forgotten remnant of society. And as planned, the prince suffered greatly. He suffered through disease, hunger, pain, loneliness and decay. He confronted the brink he confronted the brink of death itself, often limited to eating a single nut each day. A few years went by, then a few more and then nothing happened. The prince began to notice that his life of suffering wasn't all he was uh, cracked up to be. It wasn't bringing him the insight that he had desired. It wasn't revealing any deeper mystery of the world or its ultimate purpose. In fact, the prince came to know what the rest of us have always kind of known, that suffering totally sucks. And it's not necessarily that meaningful either. As with being rich, there is no value in suffering when it's done without purpose. And soon the prince came to the conclusion that his grand idea, like his father's, was in fact a terrible idea, and he should probably go do something else instead. Totally confused, the prince cleaned himself up and went and found a big tree near a river. He decided that he would sit under that tree and not get up until he he came up with another grand idea. As the legend goes, the confused prince sat under the tree for 49 days. We won't delve into the biological viability of sitting in the same spot for 49 days. But let's just say that in that time, the prince came to a number of profound realizations. One of those realizations was this, that life itself is a form of suffering. The rich suffer because of their riches. The poor suffer because of their poverty. People without a family suffer because they have no family. People with a family suffer because of their family. People who pursue worldly pleasures suffer because of their worldly pleasures. People who abstain from worldly pleasures suffer because of their abstention. This isn't to say that all suffering is equal. Some suffering is certainly more painful than other suffering, but we all must suffer nonetheless. Years later, the prince would build his own philosophy and share it with the world, and this would be its first and central tenet. The pain and loss are inevitable and we should let go of trying to resist them. The prince would later become known as the Buddha. And in case you haven't heard of him, he was kind of a big deal. There is a premise that underlies a lot of our assumptions and beliefs. The premise is that happiness is algorithmic, that it can be worked for and earned and achieved as if it were getting accepted to law school or building a really complicated Lego set. If I achieve X, then I will be happy. If I look like Y, then I can be happy. If I can be with a person like Z, then I can be happy. The premise, though, is the problem. Happiness is not a solvable equation. Dissatisfaction and unease are inherent parts of human nature and are necessary components to creating consistent happiness.
1: I don't know if it ca- ca- catch my clapping. Very beautiful story, Marta, with a very interesting uh, Mark Manson spin on Buddha legend. Very nice.
0: Yeah, I really love the story. And uh, I love the way Mark Manson writes, always uh, giving a little bit of humor mm-hmm. into every story, uh, bringing some lightness. I'm actually quite enjoying his book, mm-hmm. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So... To all of you guys who have enjoyed the story of Buddha, you are very welcome to. Uh, you are very welcome to read Mark Manson's book. And being mindful of time, I will leave you with that wisdom with no further comment. And we will go to the left field.
1: G. From the left field.
3: Wah, wah, wah. Wow!
1: So guys, today I have prepared from the left field and I wanted to do something that has absolutely nothing to do with mindfulness. I wanted to really surprise you. So Marta, especially for you, I have chosen a question, a question that actually bothers me. I want to really answer for at least like five or six days since the YouTube video I saw, which was titled Why is Nickelback, the most hated band in the entire universe. And guys, um, that is something that I know of due to cultural references. Uh, I don't think Nickelback is that hated here back in Europe, but in the US it is. Dennis, it is? Mm -hmm. Okay, but in the US at least, and as Dennis says in Europe, this is actually considered to be the most hated band Ever, And I have to say I'm super surprised because I don't think that they did anything that horrible to be that hated. But I will have a little bit of an introduction and that with a little mp3. Uh, I will tell you guys that I found out that in November 2016, uh, Caps in Canada actually decided to come up with a very interesting punishment for all the drunk drivers. They have announced on their Facebook page that whoever will be found drink driving will be escorted to the police station and will have to listen to Nickelback album in a car. That was to add to a punishment. There is more things. For instance, in November 2008, Nickelback got completely booed and there were rocks flying at them in Portugal on a concert. In November 2011, Aux Labs developed Nickelback block application to block all mentions of Nickelback from your Internet experience. App go completely viral and is used by millions of people and spreads over Facebook like, like, um, yeah like a fungus. Then later that month, nearly 56,000 football fans signed a petition to prevent Nickelback from playing the halftime show between Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers. The, bla- the band actually played only one song. Then in Alberta, Canada, Nickelback refuses to allow Broadcast over the charity performance at Alberta Float Eight, drawing the uh, ire of thousands of fans, media starts to declare them the worst band in the world. Well, if you are playing on a charity um, festival and you are saying, "Okay, you cannot stream it; our part is not streamed for anyone," then it's kind of yeah. And then in January in 2016, Donald Trump aids removes someone carrying a Trump likes Nickelback sign in the audience. The troll also attend other Republican rallies. So actually Donald Trump removed a guy who was holding... Trump likes Nickelback. And now the cherry on the top, I have prepared you a little bit of a clip from uh, um, a video promo by Mark Zuckerberg when he was introducing Jarvis, which is uh, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, something like Alexa, but for Facebook. And this is a a bit of a uh, from the clip.
2: And Jarvis can play all of our favorite music. Hey, play us some good Nickelback songs. I'm
3: sorry, Mark. I'm afraid I can't do that. There are no good Nickelback
2: songs. Good, that was actually a test. Okay, how about just play some songs that our whole family likes?
1: (laughs) So guys, I was trying to really solve this puzzle. How come a band that is already more than 20 years on the market, and now I would like to say, sold more than 50 million records, and until this day fills all the stadiums where they play, they have a huge fan base, actually, is in the same time considered the absolutely worst and the most hated band in the entire universe. Dennis, you have an opinion, because, guys, I have sent that clip to Dennis to play today, and it was called Nickelback, and I got an answer in the email from Dennis. Nickelback? <laughs> Question mark and some emoticon, and I was like, heh. he,. Dennis, do you know why Nickelback is the most hated band in the universe?
2: I have no idea.
1: You have no idea? No,
2: I, it's fashionable. That's all I know.
1: Okay, it's fashionable to hate on them. Do you hate Nickelback?
2: Not at all. I, uh, before it was fashionable to hate them. I actually liked some of the songs on the radio and then all of a sudden they was the worst band in the world. And Okay, but uh, they've made good music, they fill stadiums, they've sold 50 million.
1: Yeah, uh, actually I was Quantity also… Quantity doesn't
2: measure quality, I know that. Of course.
1: No, but I I actually looked into it and believe it or not, uh, there was a a student in Finland who wrote, uh, I think it was uh, a research. It was a research at university why Nickelback is the most hated band in the world. And she was trying trying to solve the puzzle. And I think the thing that comes out the most, it's a mix of social media that has exploded somewhere around where Nickelback actually came out. Plus the frontman, Chad Kroger, who is simply unlikable. Plus, it's cool to hate Nickelback. It it became a trend. We have one minute only. Okay, and at the end, I will just tell you that apparently every single Nickelback song sounds the same. The only thing you have to do is to change the lyrics. But I would say that applies to Britney Spears. That applies to many pop stars. So, guys, my verdict is it was cool to hate Nickelback, but it's not so cool anymore. Give, give those guys a break. I agree. Yeah. To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the 5
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks.